Chapter One, Part B of Greener Than You Think. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Greener Than You Think by Ward Moore. Chapter One, Part B. Everything is for the best, is my philosophy and make your cross your crutch is a good thought to hold. So I reminded myself that it takes fewer muscles to smile than to frown, and no one sees the bright side of things if he wears dark glasses. Since it takes all kinds to make a world, and Josephine Spencer Francis was one of those kinds, wasn't it only reasonable to suppose that there were other kinds who would buy the stuff she'd invented? The only way to sell something is first to sell yourself and I piously went over the virtues of the metamorphizer in my mind. What if, by its very nature, there could be no repeat business? I wasn't tying myself to it for life. All that remained was to find myself a customer. I tried to recall the location of the nearest rural territory. San Fernando Valley, probably. A long, tiresome trip. And expensive unless I wished to demean myself by thumbing rides, a difficult thing to do burdened as I was by the pump. If she hadn't balked unreasonably about putting the stuff on lawns, I'd have prospects right at hand. I was suddenly long-conscious. There was probably not a Los Angeles street I hadn't covered at some time, magazines, vacuums, old gold, near nylons, and I must have been aware of green spaces before most of the houses, but now for the first time I saw lawns. Neat, sharply confined, smooth-shaven lawns. Sagging, slipping, eager to keep up appearances but fighting a losing game lawns. Ragged weedy, dissolute lawns, half-bare, repulsively crippled, hummocky lawns, bright lawns, insistent on former respectability and trimness, yellow and gray lawns touched with the craziness of age, quite beyond all interest in looks, content to doze easily in the sun. If Miss Frances's mixture was on the up and up and she hadn't introduced a perfectly unreasonable condition, why, I couldn't miss. On the other hand, I thought suddenly. I'm the salesman, not she. It was up to me as a practical man to determine where and how I could sell to the best advantage. With sudden resolution I walked over a twinkling green sward and rang the bell. Good afternoon, madam. I can see from your garden you're a lady who's interested in keeping it lovely. Not my garden and Mrs. Smith's not home. The door shut. Not gently. The next house had no lawn at all, but was fronted with a rank growth of ivy. I felt no one had a right to plant ivy when I was selling something effective only on the family Griminia. I trampled over the ivy hard and rang the doorbell on the other side. Good afternoon, madam. I can see from the appearance of your lawn you're a lady who really cares for her garden. I'm introducing to a restricted group, just one or two in each neighborhood. A new preparation, an astounding discovery by a renowned scientist which will make your grass twice as green and many times as vigorous upon one application, without the aid of anything else natural or artificial. My gardener takes care of all that. But, madam, there is a city ordinance against unlicensed solicitors. Have you a license, young man? 
after the fifth refusal, I began to think less unkindly of Miss Francis's idea of selling the stuff to farmers, and to wonder what was wrong with my technique. After some understandable hesitation, for I don't make a practice of being odd or conspicuous, I sat down on the curb to think. Besides, the pump was getting wearisomely heavy. I couldn't decide exactly what was unsatisfactory in my routine. The stuff had neither been used nor advertised, so there could be no prejudice against it. No one had yet allowed me to get so far as quoting price, so it wasn't too expensive. The process of elimination brought me to the absurd conclusion that the fault must lie in me. Not in my appearance, I reasoned, for I was a personable young man, a little over thirty at the time, with no obvious defects a few visits to the dentist wouldn't have removed. Of course... I do have an unfortunate skin condition, but such a thing's an act of God, as the lawyers say, and people must take me as I am. No, it wasn't my appearance. Or was it? That monstrously outsized pump. Who wanted to listen to a sales talk from a man apparently prepared for an immediate gas attack? There is little use in pressing your trousers between two boards under the mattress if you discount such neatness with the accoutrement of an invading Martian. I uncoiled the hose from my shoulder and eased the incubus from my back. Leaving them visible from the corner of my eye, I crossed the most miserable lawn yet encountered. It was composed of what I since learned is Bermuda, a plant most Southern Californians call, with many profane prefixes, devil grass. It was yellow, the dirty grayish yellow of moldy straw, and bald scuffed spots immodestly exposed the cracked parched earth beneath. Over the walk interwoven stolons had been felted down into a ragged mat repellent alike to foot and eye. Perversely onto what had once been flower beds, the runners crept erect bristling spines showing faintly green on top, the only live color in the miserable expanse. Where the grass had gone to seed, there were patches of muddy purple, patches which enhanced rather than relieved the diseased color of the hole and emphasized the dying air of the yard. It was a neglected, unvalued thing, an odious appendage, a mistake never rectified. Madam, I began, your lawn is deplorable. There was no use giving her the line about, I can see you are a lady who cares for lovely things. Anyway, now the pump was off my back, I felt reckless. I threw the whole book of salesmanship away. It's the most neglected lawn in the neighborhood. It is, madam, I am sorry to say, no less than a disgrace. She was a woman beyond the age of childbearing, her dress revealing the outlines of her corset, and she looked at me coldly through rimless glassing biting the bridge of her inadequate nose. "'So what?' she asked. "'Madam,' I said, "'for ten dollars I can make this the finest lawn in the block, the pride of your family and the envy of your neighbors. I can do better things with ten dollars and spend it on a bunch of dead grass.' Gratefully, I knew I had her then, and was glad I hadn't weakly given in to an impulse to carry out the crackpot's original instructions. When they start to argue, my motto is, they're sold. I took a good breath and wound up for the clincher. I won't say she was an easy sale, 
But after all, I'm a psychologist. I found all her weak points and touched them expertly. Even so, she made me cut my price in half, leaving me only two-fifty according to my agreement with Miss Frances. But it was an icebreaker. I got the pump and hose, collecting at the same time an audience of brats who assisted me by shouting, "'What you gonna do, mister?' "'What's that thing for, mister?' "'You gonna water Mrs. Dinkman's front yard, mister?' "'Do your teeth always look so funny, mister? "'My grandpa takes his teeth out at night and puts them in a glass of water. "'Do you take out your teeth at night, mister?' "'You gonna put that stuff on our garden, too, mister?' "'Hey, Shirley, come on over and see the funny-looking man who's fixing up Dinkman's yard!' They were untiring, shrilling their questions, exclamations, and comments, completely driving from my mind the details of the actual application of the metamorphizer. Anyway, Miss Frances had been concerned with putting it in the irrigation water, which didn't apply in this case. I thought a moment. A gallon was enough for thirty acres. Half a pint should suffice for this, more than suffice. Irrigation water. Nonsense. I'd squirt it on and tell the woman to hose it down afterward. That'd be the same as putting it in the water, wouldn't it? To come to this practical conclusion under the brunt of the children's assault was a remarkable feat. As I dribbled the stuff over the sorry devil grass, they kicked the pump, and my shins, mimicking my actions, tripping me as they skipped under my legs, getting wet with the metamorphizer, I hoped with mutually deleterious effect, and generally making me more than ever thankful for my bachelor condition. Two-fifty, I thought, angrily squirting a fine mist at a particularly dreary spot, and it isn't even selling. Manual labor? Working with my hands. I might as well be a gardener. College training, wide experience, alert and aggressive in order to dribble stuff smelling sickeningly of carnations on a wasted yard. I coiled up my hose disgustedly and collected a reluctant five dollars. It don't look any different, commented Mrs. Dinkman dubiously. Madam, Professor Francis's remarkable discovery works miracles, but not in the twinkling of an eye. In a week you'll see for yourself, provided, of course, you wet it down properly. In a week you'll be far gone with my five dollars, diagnosed Mrs. Dinkman. While this might be superficially true, it was an unfair and unkind thing to say, and it wounded me. I reached into my pocket and drew out an old card, one printed before I'd had an irreconcilable difference with the firm employing me at the time. I can always be reached at this address, Mrs. Dinkman, I said, should you have any cause for dissatisfaction which I'm sure is quite impossible. Besides, I shall be daily in this district, demonstrating the value of Dr. Francis's lawn tonic. That was certainly true, unless I made a better connection. Degrading manual labor or not, I intended to sell as many local people as possible on the strength of having found a weak spot in the wall of sales resistance before the effects of the metamorphizer became apparent. For, in strict confidence, and despite its being an undesirable negative attitude, I was a little dubious that those effects, or lack of them, would stimulate further sales. End of chapter 1, part B